We turn to uh, Genesis chapter 39 this morning, and we read verses 1 through 12. Genesis 39 and verses 1 through 12. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. It came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garments in her hand and fled and went outside. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, your word that gives us life, your word that teaches us, your word that corrects us, your word that trains us in righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that you would take now this word that, that you have given to us by the inspiration of your spirit and guide us, Lord, into your truth. We believe that your word is everlasting truth. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The culture in which we live today simply assumes that lust is something that we can't overcome. And so we teach our children how to use birth control. If they happen to conceive, in spite of this, we give them the option of an abortion. And I would ask the question, whatever happened to the teaching of abstinence? Whatever happened to the teaching that says we don't have to go the way of the world, we don't have to follow the lusts of the flesh, that there is victory. And we see it in the life of Joseph. How do we deal with temptation? How do we break the chains of lust? Well, first of all, we break the chains of lust by rejecting the excuses for sin. We break the chains of lust by rejecting the excuses for sin. 
If anyone could have found excuses to sin, certainly Joseph could have. Now, here was a young man uh, far away from home in the land of Egypt. Parents, they wouldn't know what he was doing. They wouldn't understand the way that he was living. And if you look at verse 11, you will notice that when Joseph came into the house one day, there was no one else there except Potiphar's wife. And I can picture him saying, Joseph, we are alone. No one will know. Just you and me. We'll just keep this little secret. It would have been easy for him to make an excuse for sin. Another pressure on Joseph was the fact that Potiphar's wife could have had a significant impact on Joseph's future. As the wife of Joseph's master, she could have made things easy for him or hard for him, depending on his response to her. And if Joseph was concerned about his future in Egypt, it would have been very tempting for him to just go along with what Potiphar's wife said. But he refused to make excuses for sin. Isn't it easy to make an excuse for sin? To come up with a reason why we did what we did. Oh, the devil made, we, made me do it. We talked about that in our adult Sunday school class this morning. Or I was just made this way. And, or this is the struggle I have and there's really no way to overcome it. We can make all kinds of excuses for sin, but Joseph would not do that. I read about a lady in New Zealand some years ago. She had driven, mind you, 25 years without a license. And finally she was brought before the judge and the judge asked her about it and she said this. She said, I only drive on roads that have very little traffic. And none of those roads led to an office where I could apply for a driver's license. (laughs) So that was her excuse. And oh, it's easy to make excuses, but Joseph would not. He rejected the excuses for sin. A second thing we notice, we break the chains of lust by recognizing the evil of sin. You see, one of the reasons why lust is so powerful is because Satan makes it look appealing. And he does that with every temptation, doesn't he? Whatever we're tempted to do, it's like, you know, if you do this, just think of how wonderful it will be. Making it look so appealing without showing us the consequences of our sin. One girl wrote these words. She says, if only I could see my temptations as I see other people's temptations. They wouldn't be as hard to fight. She said, other people's temptations look so ugly and mean and foolish, but my own temptations come with a rosy light about them so that I don't see how hateful they are until afterward. Isn't that true? You look at the the temptations of others, the sins of others, and how many times have you said to yourself, how in the world could they do that? Ever said that before? Other people's temptations look so evil and vile, but our own temptations don't look as bad, do they? That's because Satan wants to make them look appealing. Fun. Just do this and just think of how wonderful it will be. 
Notice how Joseph viewed this temptation. You find it in verse 9, he says this, There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? When we give in to lust, we are sinning against others. Lust causes us to take things or to use things that don't belong to us. And when we do that, we hurt other people. And I can tell you as a pastor, I have sat with husbands and wives weeping because of what has happened with lust. How temptation has overtaken one of them and they were unfaithful to their spouse. Lust can be very destructive and very painful. When we give in to lust, we are sinning against ourselves. Even though all sin hurts, there is something about lust, there is something about sexual sin that brings pain like no other sin does. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul says, Flee from immorality. And then he says, Every sin, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the one who sins sexually, Paul says, he sins against his own body. And so there is something more damaging about sexual sin than other sins because it has a way of scarring us at the deepest level within. John MacArthur describes a 16-year-old girl who came to his office one day in complete despair. And she had lived such an immoral life that she felt utterly worthless. She said she hadn't even looked in the mirror for months because she was so ashamed. And he said she looked closer to 40 than 16. She was on the verge of suicide, not wanting to live another day. David, as he writes in Psalm 32, which we used as our confession of sin this morning, he describes what his life was like after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And there was that period of nine months while the baby was being formed in the womb that, that he had hidden his sin. And finally afterward, when, when the baby was born, Nathan came and confronted him. You know the story. And he describes what it was like during those nine months when he would not confess his sin. He said, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He said, God's hand was, was heavy upon me. The guilt of sin was so great upon David, unwilling to confess what he had done. When we give in to lust, we sin against others. When we give in to lust, we sin against ourselves. And when we give in to lust, we sin against God. Notice what, what uh, Joseph said in verse 9, How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And ultimately that was the, the worst because God's standard is very clear. 
And we are breaking His law, violating His command. And in Psalm 51, verse 4, as David again describes his adultery with Bathsheba, he says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. If we're going to break the chains of lust, we must call it what it is. It's not an affair, it's an evil thing. It is sin against God. Notice thirdly, we break the chains of lust by refusing to enter the environment of sin. If we examine when it is that we are most tempted to sin, we will probably notice a pattern of temptation. There are certain situations that seem to give us the most trouble. For example, if you are trying to lose weight... Not that any of you would ever want to do that, but if you ever try to lose weight, you'll probably find that there are certain times when you are more tempted to eat. Okay? And maybe it's right before you go to bed, which is probably the worst time. So you notice there are certain patterns, certain times, certain circumstances, certain situations where you know that you are going to be more tempted. And it is very wise then to recognize those circumstances, those patterns, those situations where you are going to be tempted. For Joseph, he knew, because this was an ongoing thing. Day after day, she was tempting him. And he knew that if he was in her presence, that's when temptation was going to come. And so notice what he did in verse 10. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, He did not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. He avoided those situations where he knew he was going to be tempted. He avoided even being with her because he knew being with her meant temptation. There was a little boy who was saving money to buy a baseball bat. Had a hard struggle, and one night he was uh, saying his prayers, and his mother heard him praying. And he said, Oh Lord, please help me save money for a baseball bat. And he said, And God, don't let the ice cream man come down the street. (laughs) He understood temptation, didn't he? He understood the Lord's prayer, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So that little boy understood temptation. He understood that there were circumstances where he was going to be tempted. And he was saying, God, don't lead me into this temptation. Help me in this temptation. And so we would be very wise if we struggle in some area of our life not to go into those places or those circumstances or those situations where we know we are going to be tempted. That is foolish. Joseph wouldn't go there. He didn't even want to be around her because he knew that that's where temptation would come. The final lesson we learn from the life of Joseph is we break the chains of lust by running from the trap of sin. 
even if you do your best to avoid putting yourselves into those situations where you know you're going to be tempted, there will be times when temptation will come your way. (laughs) Uh, We just read in our adult Sunday school class the quote of Luther. He said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, right? But you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. What do you mean by that? You're not going to be able to completely avoid temptation. It's going to be there. You want to avoid as much as you can, but there will be times when temptation will stare you right in the face. What do you do then? Notice what Joseph did. Verse 11, it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and went outside. He literally ran. I am out of here. This is not what God wants for me. He literally packed up his bags and took off. Only bad thing is she grabbed his garment and framed him later, and he was put in jail. Sometimes the best thing you can do is run. Maybe literally. And if you can't run, at least walk away. There are those circumstances where that's the wisest thing in the world to do is to get out of that situation because you know you are being tempted. If we're going to overcome temptation like Joseph did, We need to be reminded that we will not do it in our own strength. Temptation is too powerful for us. We we battle against not flesh and blood, right? Our battle. But our battle is against the rulers. Against the evil forces in high places. And we are not strong enough to handle that spiritual battle. Joseph was not strong enough to handle that spiritual battle. And if you read this chapter, you will notice that there is one phrase that is used four times in this chapter as if to say, here's the key. Repetition for emphasis. We find that phrase in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. We find it in verse 3, the Lord was with him. We find it in verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. We find it in verse 23, the Lord was with him in whatever he did. The Lord was with him. Do we have that promise as believers? Do we? Yes, we do. What did Jesus say? Lo, I am with you always. So when we face temptation, we need to understand and embrace and stand on that truth that we don't face it alone. Now that's both a warning... And an encouragement, isn't it? It it is a warning, isn't it, that God sees all that we do? 
Every situation we face, every temptation that comes our way, even if no one else is there, or maybe just one other person is there, God is there. Hebrews 4, verse 13 says, All things are laid bare before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. I find that a sobering thought. God sees everything I do. And I might be able to hide things from others. And you might be able to hide things from others. And maybe you are. But God sees, doesn't He? So that's a warning. And it's a good warning. And it's wise to live in light of that, that God sees all that we do. But it is also an encouragement, isn't it? To know that I don't face temptation alone. I'm not standing there with, with, with Satan whispering his lies into my face and pointing his finger at me alone because Jesus is with me. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Do you believe that? Jesus is much greater than any temptation you face, than any attack of the evil one, than any flaming missile of, of Satan. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And because he is with us, that we can, we can reject those excuses that Satan would want to bring our way. Because Jesus is with us, we can recognize then that, that these temptations are, are evil, great evil against God. Because He is with us, we can refuse to, to put ourselves in those circumstances where we know that we'd be tempted. Because Jesus is with us, we can run from the snare, the trap of the evil one. Our Kent Hughes says this, he says, the key to our day-to-day -day success in this life is living in the reality that God is with us. Now, we've heard that over and over, haven't we? Emmanuel, God with us. We need to live in that reality, don't we? That I don't face this life alone. I don't face the temptations alone. And just as God was with Joseph in that household, in that prison, wherever he went, we need to stand on that promise as well. We need to live in the reality that Jesus is with us. You're going to face temptation today and tomorrow and the next day. And the next day, and the next day, it's going to be there until Jesus comes again. But you don't face it alone. In His power, in His grace, in His strength, because of His cross, there's victory. And when we fail, not if we fail, but when we fail, as we will, we come back to the cross where there 
was payment for our sins. Victory over temptation. Hope for us as we fail. Lead me to the cross, we sang today. That's where we find our forgiveness. That's where we find our hope. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your cross. For your salvation, for your payment for our sin. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that not only was our sin washed away at the cross, but the power of sin is broken because of Jesus. That doesn't mean we're never going to fall, that we're never going to give in to temptation. But, Father, you have promised to be with us. Every moment of every day, every step of the way, every challenge we face, just as you were with Joseph, Lord, Thank you that you are with us. And so give us all that we need to face the challenges of life, the temptations of every day. And we'll give you the praise, the glory, the honor for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.